Josh, can you hear me? We're good? All right. Morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Need more coffee? Doing okay? <laughs> right on. Well, thanks for allowing me to come and share with you guys this morning. Um, for those of you that don't know who I am, I see a number of familiar faces, but uh, for those of you that don't know me and, and who I am and what I'm all about, my name is Mark Breen. Uh, I'm from Sexsmith. We go to Grace Bible Fellowship Church there. Uh, my wife, Teresa, is here with me this morning as well. Um, but I am the Alberta Youth Initiatives Director for Athletes in Action Canada. Um, it's a big title. Uh, basically what that means is I'm in charge of all the uh, student age sports ministries for Athletes in Action in the province of Alberta. So all the clubs, camps, homeschool academies, um, school visitations, all that sort of stuff, K-12, um, and church partnerships for Alberta, using sport to reach kids in our communities. Um, I recognize a few people here. We had uh, Kenneth and Marcus in our multi-sport camp here in Sexsmith. Uh, Evelyn here I met at Bear Lake this summer. So a few new connections here for me this year. But... Um, we do have uh, friends and supporters in, in your congregation here, so uh, I'm going to take a little bit of time here at the start to just kind of give an update. Uh, I tend to come here every fall and just give everybody a little bit of a rundown as far as what's been happening uh, across the province and locally so that you guys can be praying for us, uh, can be aware of what's going on uh, in regards to uh, trying to reach uh, local and provincial students for Christ through sport. So... Uh, first slide there. I don't know if you can read all that. It's a little bit small. This was my summer itinerary. Um, I traveled just under 11,000 kilometers this summer. Um, just to give you the rundown here, we did our national head coach training in Steinbach, so I flew for that one. I wasn't driving for that one. Uh, then I came home for a day. Then I went to Three Hills for a week for our Alberta, Saskatchewan regional coaches training. And then from there, I right, went right to Edmonton for a club basketball tournament. And then I went right back down to Calgary for a week of soccer and multi-sport camp. Uh, then I came home for four days. And then I went back down to Edmonton for two days of a soccer camp. And then I went down to Carstairs for two days of a soccer camp. Then I came home for four days. Then I went back down to Cochrane for three days of a soccer camp there and then dropped a bunch of stuff off on the comb on the weekend, then went back to Canmore for a week to help run a multi-sport camp. Then after Canmore, we went to Innisfail for a coaches retreat, just to debrief our coaches and see how they're doing. And from there, I went to Whistler, BC for our national staff conference, and then I got to come home. So that was about a three-week trip there. Um, and then we ran our last two weeks of camp uh, for the summer up here in Sexsmith. So I was home about, how long was I home this summer, Trees? A week, week and a half. So lots of travel, um, but last year in Alberta, we had four weeks of camp. This year we had nine. Uh, so the camp ministry in Alberta is growing. Um, so it's pretty exciting to see the opportunities that are coming up um, with the camp ministry in Alberta. So this slide here. A uh, big part of my job, I don't do everything at the camps. 
Um, part of my role is recruiting and training uh, college, university, even high school age students sometimes uh, to be our coaches for the summer. So my primary role for the summer camps is to work with the church coordinators. The churches that we partner with to run the camps have somebody designated to work with me to do all the planning. They recruit their volunteers. Um, So I work with them through the fall, winter, spring, getting ready for camp. And then I hire the coaches that go around to these different camps and work with the volunteers to to run the camps for the kids and with the churches. So we had six uh, fantastic coaches this year. Um, working with us. They were all rookie coaches, so I was a little apprehensive going into to this summer with having the growth that we did with coaches that had never coached us, with us before, but they knocked it out of the park. Um, they did a phenomenal job. They are amazing young leaders. Um, so just to, to let you know here, I'll tell you who they are if you can't read it there. On the left, his name's David. He's in, from Edmonton. And uh, he just graduated with his uh, business degree and has entered into a uh, leadership training program with Enterprise Rentals. So he's not going back to school. He's done. Uh, But uh, he came on with us for this summer before he started working. Next to him is Noe. Uh, Noe's from Edmonton as well. He's going to be a first-year student athlete at King's University in Edmonton. Uh, He's playing basketball for them this year, and he's going to be taking his theology degree. Uh, next to Noi there is Jenna. Jenna's from White Court. Uh, Jenna was a blessing for us this year, actually. Um, her home church in White Court actually has ran AIA camps in the past. So she was a camper and then a high school volunteer. So while she wasn't a returning staff member, she kind of knew our stuff. So she could kind of jump in, and she was our soccer head coach this summer. Next we have Ryden. Oh, and Jenna's going to King's University as well in Edmonton for psychology. Uh, Ryden is next to Jenna there. Ryden's from Calgary. Uh, he's starting his engineering degree at U of C this summer. He's a big-time soccer guy. Uh, next to Ryden is Eric. Uh, Eric's from Red Deer. He's going to Three Hills. He's taking a Bachelor of Sports Ministry Leadership program. So he was our multi-sport head coach this summer. And next to Eric is Christine. Christine's from Calgary as well. Uh, Christine goes to uh, Queen's University. Yeah down in Kingston, Ontario. She's a middle hitter on their volleyball team, uh, in, on their U-sport team. So a big part of my job this summer was working with these guys, getting them trained up, sending them out, and then doing regular weekly, sometimes bi-weekly checkups with them, praying with them, encouraging them, uh, coming to visit the camp, seeing how they're doing, and connecting with them, and making sure that uh, we're able to grow our, our coaching leaders um, the, the cool thing is that five out of the six are interested in coming back again next year to coach with us, which is a huge uh, blessing if that does happen. So just a couple uh, stories to share. I find stories are always the encouraging part of things for me. Um, some coaches' stories for you guys. Uh, the first one here, uh, this is from Christine. Um, going into the summer, I was set on pursuing my degree in medicine. She was actually doing summer school while she was coaching full-time so that she wouldn't fall behind during the sports season that's coming up. It was insane. Um, But she's planning on becoming a doctor. Um, But during one of our conversations, she told me, uh, as the summer went on, I felt God leading me to investigate how to use a medical degree for ministry. She said she's so grateful for this AIA experience and how it has helped God direct her future. Uh, The next story is from Noe. 
Uh, Noah is, like I said, going to King's University to uh, play basketball. Uh, and he said, my university coach has been challenging me to be a leader this year as a first-year student. The training we received on how to combine faith and sport has given me confidence that God can use me in this role. So a lot of our coaches' training isn't just on the field. It's a lot about how to incorporate faith and sport, encourage kids in their spiritual growth, encourage each other in your spiritual development uh, with sports as the touch point. So I really, really love my coaches. They were awesome. Um, I couldn't have done this summer without them. So uh, this summer we partnered with six different churches. Uh, Mackenzie Town Church in Calgary ran a soccer and multi-sport camp at the same time. Uh, Cochrane Alliance Church ran a soccer camp. Trinity Bible Church in Canmore ran a multi-sport. Inglewood Christian Reformed Church in Edmonton ran a soccer camp. Bethel Christian Reformed Church in Lacombe ran a soccer camp. Uh, cool story there. Uh, it was their first year with us. And they're like, man, if we could hit 40 kids, that would be great. Uh, they had 40 kids within a month of opening their registration. Uh, and they actually had 65 kids out. Uh, from the community in their first year of running soccer camp in their community. It's very, very cool to see that happen. Uh, West Zion Mennonite Church in Carstairs ran a soccer camp, and then uh, we had our two uh, weeks of camp here in Sexsmith. We ran a multi-sport and a soccer camp. Uh, just some uh, statistics for you guys. Um, stats are kind of like uh, flying over... Uh, a region from an airplane, you kind of see the little patches of different types of fields and cities and towns, but doesn't give you like the whole underlying reality of what happened. But this kind of gives you an idea of our reach this summer. Um, we had, with our six partner churches and our two camps here, uh, we had 145 volunteers that we worked with um, and helped them develop their spiritual gifts in reaching kids. We had 386 campers. Uh, 228 of those campers attend church weekly, 39 attend church monthly, 29 attend church yearly, and 66 of those kids never attend church at all. And we had 18 kids this summer make first-time decisions for Jesus. Um, The cool thing about our camps is it's not just us going into a town with our four coaches, running these camps, um, seeing kids make uh, developments in their spiritual walk, and then we pull out and we're gone. We're partnering with churches that are following up. So they're inviting these kids to their kids' clubs um, and getting to know the families and things like that. So really it's AIA helping churches do their camps. They're not AIA camps. So the churches are continuing on the ministries with these kids that we've networked with over the course of the summer. Uh, Each summer is kind of different. Last summer we had about a a 50-50 ratio of kids that go to church and those that don't. This summer was a little bit more church kids, um, but we saw one more kid this summer compared to last summer uh, make a a decision for Jesus. So you never know uh, what's going to happen with these kids when they come to camp, how God's going to speak to them, and how the Holy Spirit's going to work in their life. So what's coming up? Um, That was kind of the summer rundown. What do we got going on this school year and coming up next year? Um, Some exciting things are going on. We started our first ever uh, Thursday night action basketball skills camp in Sexsmith. Our first one was this last Thursday. So um, one of the things that we run into a lot of times is kids are are trying out for junior high, senior high club teams. 
um, and they go to tryouts and haven't even picked up a basketball. So we thought we'd give an opportunity for students to, to get the rust out before um, going to tryouts and get a little bit of conditioning, a little bit of skill work. Um, we also uh, do a little bit of a, a talk time. Um, this, this skill session, uh, whereas our camps are very evangelistic, uh, these skill sessions are, are more life skill development. We're talking about character development, time management as a student athlete, um, how to balance everything that's going on in life, how to manage emotions. Um, but we also get into identity. You are more than just a basketball player. You are a person that has value, right? Um, we also opened it up to homeschool kids that just love basketball um, and can supplement their phys ed programs uh, by being a part of that. So that's running for the next, uh, it's a six-week program that's running till the end of October. Uh, we've already started planning our 2024 summer camps. Um, Alberta's blowing up. Uh, it's, it's crazy what's happening with the interest we have from churches to do camps. Um, our, our forecast, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, we have the potential with people that we've already talked to uh, of going from nine weeks this last summer to 21 weeks next summer. Um, this summer already, already I had a nine-week wait list uh, of churches and camps that wanted to work with us. Um, and throughout the summer, we had interest from another five to ten um, churches, Bible camps that are interested in partnering with us next summer. So, <clears throat> 21 weeks of camp, uh, based on the projections, we'd be going from 384 kids to just under 900, um, potentially. Uh, so that would mean we need to have, instead of one coaching team uh, of four coaches, we'd need three coaching teams of four coaches. So we'll be jumping from six coaches uh, last summer to potentially 10 to 12 next summer. And I can see my wife's, like, he's going to be so busy again. But the hope is, and the beauty is, and what we're praying into, is if we can get five of those six coaches back from last summer, we can hand a lot of responsibility and leadership off to our returning coaches, and they can mentor new coaches and run with that. So um, there's huge potential in Alberta. Now, I'm not saying that this is all going to work out exactly as we're thinking. Um, but that's the potential that's out there. So we're working on that already. We're already talking to our established camps, getting them booked in so we know the free weeks that are coming up um, that we can open up to new people next summer. We're planning some winter skills camps and homeschool academies. Uh, we're working on some uh, internship possibilities with Prairie College in Three Hills and King's University in Edmonton for students that need to do internships for their uh, sports ministry leadership degrees or with kings with their uh, kinesiology degrees. Uh, they need opportunities to participate in, in sports activities in the summer for, for their degrees. We're looking into helping them out with that, and that'll be a huge help to us as well. Um, some community stuff we got going on. Uh, I coach basketball in the area. Uh, I'm the senior girls basketball coach at Sexton Secondary, so I'll be doing that again. So I coach Sydney White and, and the girls and my daughter and, and a bunch of local girls Last year, um, I referee basketball in the area with the Grand Prairie and Peace River Associations. So, ref Michael and Seth and Josh, and thankfully I don't have to ref Ben this year. So that's one, one thing off my plate. <laughs> ben was always fun. Um, 
But I, I ref, it's a great inroads to the community, meeting parents, coaches, uh, teachers, and lots of different players. Uh, one cool thing that actually came up this week, uh, we got a call from a, a lady in Calgary. Uh, she's actually um, one of the top-ranked Spartan racers in Canada. You guys know what Spartan racing is? It's where you have to, like... It's like obstacle courses with mud pits and like up ropes and over walls and through the bush and army crawling and everything. I think, she, I think in her bio she said she actually won uh, the competition for her, her, her age division um, this past year in Canada. Uh, she works at the top uh, training center for this, for parkour, for uh, ninja warrior activities in Calgary. Um, but she's been feeling God leading her to try and start using it to reach kids uh, spiritually. So she called us up and she's like, is there anything that we can do together to use, I know it's not your typical basketball, volleyball, soccer, um, to use this to reach kids in our area or for Jesus. And we're like, yeah, heck yeah. You're like right downtown Calgary in a, in a nationally ranked facility. Let's see what we can do. So there's all these things coming out of the woodwork um, that we're not even looking for, that God is providing opportunities and spurring people to have vision for how to reach youth through sport, and they're coming to us. So it's, it's really cool um, to see how God is bringing up opportunities to serve. Uh, the other big focus for us this fall is developing our ministry partnership team. Um, we are looking for people to partner with our ministry in a couple different ways. Um, one of the biggest ways we're looking for people to specifically partner with us is through prayer. None of this can happen uh, without the power of the Holy Spirit, God's direction, God's leading, God's prompting, God's equipping, uh, God's protection. So um, we've been encouraged, or I've been encouraged recently to be very specific in our prayer ask. And what I'm asking for... um, not just from here, but generally speaking with, with everybody that I'm talking to, is, is I'm looking for 20 people that will pray for us every day. Um, I know there's people that pray for us, um, but I'm looking for 20 specific people that will come to me and say, I will pray for you every day. I'll pray for your family. I'll pray for your ministry. I'll pray for your church partners. I will pray for the youth athletes in Alberta. Um, for protection, for wisdom, for provision, uh, for the enemy wants to derail this stuff big time. He'll start in the home and then he'll work out from there. So we just need people to be praying very, very specifically for us. So if that's something that you want to think about, pray about, um, and if you're willing to do that, let me know. Um, because then if there's very specific prayer items that we have as we go about life and ministry, we can fire out texts and emails so people can pray for us. Uh, The second thing uh, that we're looking for as far as our partnership team is ministry partners. Uh, And that could be a couple different ways. We're looking for churches that might want to host a camp or a club, Um, soccer, basketball, multi-sport, whatever. We've got people asking about golf. We've got people asking about rugby. We've got people asking about wrestling. I, my boss doesn't like it, but I am open to anything. So if your church uh, is interested in talking about possibly partnering to run a camp, 
I'm hoping to have three more camps in this area next summer. Um, I'm hoping to find churches that will partner with me to do it. If I can't find churches, I'm just going to do it. But it's always nicer and far more effective if we can partner with churches and connect people with churches. So that's a way that you guys uh, potentially could be a ministry partner with us. We're also looking for volunteers occasionally to run our skills clinics, our homeschool academies, our summer camps, things like that. So if you have time and you like kids and you like sports and you like Jesus, come talk to me. Maybe we have a place where you can help out. Um, And then the third way is we're looking for financial partners. Um, Right now, I'm at about uh, 60%, 65% of my uh, personal support. We are a nonprofit organization, so as staff, we have to raise all our salary and personal operating expenses. So we do have a fundraising goal this fall of raising another $3,000 a month in monthly or uh, annual donations, or a a total of $36,000 by the end of November. It's a big goal, uh, but we have a big God. And what this will allow me to do is right now I can work 25 hours a week um, that I'm getting paid for. I'm working more than that. But um, this would allow me to have my full salaried hours covered uh, to work on what God is calling Athletes in Action to do uh, with churches locally and across the province. So um, if you individually or you as a church are interested in seeing what it means to be a financial partner, uh, pray about it. If God is calling you to do that, we would be more than happy to chat more and uh, we would be very grateful for that. So we can't do what we do without a team. Um, It's a big work and there's only so much one person can do. So we need individuals to be praying, to be helping. We need churches to be praying and helping uh, in whatever capacity uh, you would see fit. So... Um, I do have uh, donation info that I can get to you guys uh, afterwards as well. We'll just skip that slide there, Josh. Okay, that was about 10 or so minutes. I know my attention span is about 10 to 15 minutes, and my voice can get a little monotonous. So before we go into um, what I have to encourage you with today, I just want you to stand up. Everybody stand up. If you can, it's okay. In AIA, we're big on interpersonal encouragement. So what I want you to do is I want you to find three people, give them a big high five, and say, you're awesome. Right now, go. Move around a little bit, stretch it out. I can grab a drink of water. Find three people, big high five, you're awesome. (laughs) I'll give you one. There we go. (laughs) Give it up. Give it up. All right. All right, you can have a seat. So, just a little chance to stretch it out before I go into the back half. All right. Uh, You guys all know who Steve Nash is? Some people, greatest Canadian basketball player to ever play the game, two-time NBA champion, not champion, MVP, never won a championship, sad. Um, He said his goal was to give his teammates 150 high fives every game. Physical contact, 
Verbal encouragement is huge for people, right? Look somebody in the eye. Keep going. You're doing great. High five. So just a little exercise. We like to do that with the kids. Lots of high fives. Lots of encouragement. So um, I am not a pastor. I am not a preacher. I'm not a theologian. If, if you know me, you know I like to sit and talk about stuff a lot. Um, I'm far more comfortable across uh, a table over a cup of coffee or a plate of wings than I am up front in front of people. Um, but I wanted to, to take a little bit of time to encourage you guys this morning, um, maybe challenge or motivate a little bit. Um, I know a little bit of your church context. I know um, your, your church, a lot like our church, has a lot of transition coming out of COVID. Um, it's taken a while to get back. I know you guys are uh, without a pastor, so there's transitions going on there. So uh, I just wanted to encourage you um, this morning with, with a few thoughts that are based upon the three core values of AIA. So it'll let you guys understand a little bit more about AIA and what we're all about. But I think they're principles that are relative and relevant to any church and any individual. Um, they've challenged me. They've encouraged me. Uh, when I came on staff, I was like, this is actually very simple, but so awesome. Um, so this isn't going to be super deep today. Um, it might be profound in its simplicity. Um, but I just wanted to encourage you guys uh, with, a, with a few of these thoughts um, this morning, and hopefully it'll, it'll help you guys uh, as you move forward uh, as a church and individually. So um, the biggest thing that I learned about AIA coming in um, is they love sports. Like AIA is a sports ministry, but it's not about the sports. Uh, sports are a touch point so that you can have relationship with people and so that you can experience God in a new and deeper way, regardless of where you are on your journey. Um, within AIA, um, we see understanding identity as being foundational for humanity. Um, that's why AIA's motto is dedicated to the total athlete, faith, life, and sport. So faith and life come before the sport. Uh, in order for us to become fully who we're created to be, we have to have identities that are formed by certain values. And AIA has three core values as an organization that we strive for as staff. Uh, but like I said, I also feel that these are foundational to the church and for us as individuals. Uh, so I want to take a look at these today, these three core values, uh, and hopefully encourage you in who you are in life and faith. Um, are you guys okay being a little interactive? try. I get tired of my own voice, so it's nice to have a few other voices. So I might call on uh, a few people to read a few scriptures, um, and I might ask a few questions, just so you have a heads up. I'm a teacher, not a preacher, and teachers engage. <laughs> I'm a coach. <laughs> so um, we'll go to our first slide there, Josh. Uh, value number one. Uh, is passionately committed to a calling. All right? So 
as AIA staff, this is what we would have as our first value. We are wholeheartedly invested in Jesus and his mission. We invest our lives as workers in God's harvest through sport. So question, start off with a question. I know there's a few athletes in here, but it's not just an athletic question. But how many of you have ever been recruited for something? Recruited for a sports team, recruited for a job, recruited for a band, invited to something. Robbie, what, what were you recruited for? Um, like during my time at Kirby, I, um, I was approached to be, uh, I guess it's, it's different now, uh, it's the life groups, but uh, mm. when I was at Kirby, I was caregivers, so they, they had approached me and asked, hey, we see your leadership potential, uh, we see, see your characteristics, and uh, we're wondering if you would let your name stand to be a caregiver for the next year. Great. So somebody recognized your inherent gifts, strengths, abilities, potential, and said, hey, we want you to be part of our team. Cool. Anybody else? Darren? Yeah. You tried to recruit me this morning. (laughs) He knows I worked for home builders in the past, so he's like, hey, 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 what do you think? (laughs) But how does it feel to be recruited? Have you ever been asked to do something? Somebody comes up and says, hey, I think you'd be really good at this. Do you want to come help us? How does that make you feel? It elicits a, a, a response a lot of times, right? Um, that response, I was going to ask Ben if he was here this morning. I know he's in town. I was going to ask him how he felt during his football recruitment process because I know there's a couple teams that were interested in him and he had decisions to make, right? So it can be a bit unnerving. It can be exciting. It can be overwhelming, I know myself I've been recruited a few times for sports. I've had people recruit me for jobs. And I have to admit, it can make a guy feel pretty good to to know that somebody sees value in you and that you have the potential to contribute, right? Uh, Being valued is a great motivator. It can cause people to strive for success and go above and beyond. Uh, I'm in my third year now with AIA. um, And one of the, the most encouraging things for me has been to hear the story of how different staff members came to be a part of AIA. Uh, The interesting commonality is typically they were looking for answers or direction from God, and he answered. Whether he spoke directly to them or through scripture or through a friend, he revealed his plan. Uh, Can I get somebody to read Acts 3, verses 1 to 3? Anyone? Okay, go ahead. I put the wrong verse up there. I'm sorry. I'm supposed to be. No, you're not very athletic. My bad. See, this is this is humility right here. There is wheelchair and rugby basketball. That's true. Um, 
the story, I've got the verses here. I just put the wrong reference. My bad. Um, but it's the passage where Barnabas and Saul were called. It says there, now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Um, Now, it doesn't say there how the Holy Spirit spoke. I think we can all invoke an idea of what that would be like. Um, But can you imagine being in that room when he did? It doesn't say that he spoke to Barnabas and Saul. It said, set apart. So everybody heard. Everybody in the room heard. However, the Holy Spirit spoke. They were worshiping and fasting, which leads us to believe that they were looking for answers. And did they ever get their answer? And the fascinating thing to me is that after the Holy Spirit spoke, there was no delay in their response. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And we know how the story goes from that point, right? With, with Saul, that, who became Paul, right? Paul took the odd trip here and there, had a few speaking gigs, wrote a book or two, then took advantage of his Roman citizenship and retired to a nice villa on a small Greek island, living off his book royalties. That's how it went, right? Kind of coasted, right? Not really. From that point on, his life was turned upside down. Okay, let's see if I got my, my reference right this time. 2 Corinthians 11, 24 to 29. First Corinthians. Oh man. Ready? Yeah. So God has put the body together such that great honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes the harm for harmony among the members, that all the members can care for each other. If one part suffers, all of them suffers with it. And if one part is honored, all are glad. All of you together are God are Christ's body, and each of you is Some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, then those who have the gift of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are, are we all prophets? Are we all apostles? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown tongues? Do we all have the ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you eagerly desire the most helpful gifts. Right. So there we see that everybody has gifts and abilities and things that can be used to serve with. Paul had his particular gifts and uh, he was called very specifically to do those, but there was a consequence. His life was turned upside down. So now if we do go to 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four to 29. It's applicable. It's all good. Never too, never such a thing as too much scripture. Five times I received from the Jews the forty lashes, minus one. 
Three times I was beaten with rocks, once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from faggots, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst, and I have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak, and I do not feel weak? Who is led into sin, and I do not inwardly burn? So here we see the, it's a familiar passage, it's the list of everything that Paul is saying he went through because of the calling, because of the gifts he was given to serve with, that he fully gave to it, this is the result. So, he went through a lot, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Um, it, It takes a toll. So Paul, like all the other apostles, had a calling put on his life, and gave up everything for it, and in the end, even giving up his life. We know he was crucified uh, in Rome. So the point I'd like uh, everybody to understand this morning, if, if, I can, if I can hit home on a point in regards to this value, is that each of you actually has two callings on your life. First, you're called into a right relationship with the loving God who made and desires a close and purposeful relationship with you. God is always calling out for you to be close to him. To save you, first of all, so that you can be right with him. And then it's a continual process of him trying to draw closer and closer in meaningful relationship with you as you keep going forward. Secondly, you're being called to pursue the purpose and plan that he has uniquely designed you for and then passionately commit to it. So for me, um, the gifts and the calling are athletics. That's what he's called me to. But through that, also shepherding and discipling. That's what he's called me to. For others, it will be preaching, healing, building things, music, compassion, service. But once you lean in and hear from the Father what that identity and plan is that he's created for you, Chase it down relentlessly. Go for it. Taking time to hear from God about who he has made you to be and why and what that reason is. And then once you have hold of that, don't let go. Fully commit. Go for it. Value number two. Authentic community. So within AIA, we recognize we need good people around us to keep establishing what our true identity and calling is. People that can speak truth and encouragement into our lives. People that we can be open and real with and not fear judgment. We are not created to do life alone. The majority of uh, our AIA youth initiatives team from across Canada uh, is new. All of us are, are on staff within the last three years. Um, they had a big, big turnover. Um, so one of the things that we're learning to do as a team is to be honest with each other, to be open with each other. Sometimes we're brutally open and honest, um, but in a good, constructive way. 
And, and the ability to do that develops transparency that tears down walls and helps build the unity that you need as a church and that you need as an individual. Uh, Ephesians 4, 1 to 7 says, As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and patient. Be patient, or be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. The Lord, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is over all and through all, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So, question for you, I don't know about you guys, I know this is applicable for me, but have you ever had a secret that nobody else knows? Anybody? Anybody in that? Ever been in that situation? people? Something maybe that you feared if people found out everything would come crashing down? Uh, I've been in that situation. Uh, I've had secrets that I've held on to um, for decades that affected my marriage, family, jobs, friendships. I thought if people knew the real me, there was no way they would accept me. And that's exactly where the enemy wanted me. He had me on a little island of fear. And nobody could get to know me. Not even my wife. It wasn't until I was able to be open um, that I realized how much I was stuck in a cycle of isolation. Um, Again, we're not created to be alone. You can be in a room full of people and be completely alone. It's not fun. But authentic community is the antithesis to this. Colossians 3, 12 to 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's so essential that we create friendships and environments of openness, honesty, support. It's so crucial for identity development. A lot of times we come at this angle from the thought process that I need to find a safe place, which is true. We all need safe places to be ourselves, to be open, to be honest. The reverse question is also very applicable. Am I a person that's seen as safe, as honest, as trustworthy, that people could come to talk to me if they needed to? As trust and respect are developed, deeper levels of unity and relationship can grow, which then has an outward effect into the community into your areas of influence. So question for you, for you, who here is a church history person? Anybody like church history researching? A little bit? A little bit? Okay, so this isn't specifically for you. But who can tell me when in church history the greatest level of growth based on approximate world population at the time actually happened? 
When in history did the church grow and explode the most? 1960s? End of the Roman Empire? Yeah, it's, it's been documented and found that the most exponential growth that's happened in church history was between the time of Christ and about 250 A.D., which, for better or worse, coincides with the institutionalization of the church. So why do you think that was? What, what were some contributing factors that could possibly contribute to the growth of the Christian faith when there wasn't really an institutional body? Persecution. Persecution, yeah. That was a big part of it. Persecution actually spread the gospel. Yeah. When, when people were asked, why do you believe this? If somebody, if somebody became a Christian at that time, and somebody asked them why, majority of the time, it was because there was a very passionate, authentic, purposeful person that interjected into their life. They were talking to their butcher, and they noticed a difference in them. The butcher invited them over for a meal, and they got talking about the deeper things. The church grew through authentic community. And I'm not saying we're not authentic nowadays. But there's a difference, right? Under extreme circumstances, these Christ followers exemplified genuine joy, compassion, and authenticity in their beliefs. So I think there's something to learn and take from that for us today. We can learn from our history. Do people see authentic community when they look at Claremont Community Church. I'm not here all the time. I don't know. I don't live in Claremont. I don't know what's, what's said. I live in Sexsmith. I know what's said about GBF, right? I know the history of GBF with the community. And there's ups and downs. That's the reality of it. But as a church, as individuals, are we striving for authentic community? Value number three. Play together. In AIA, we embody play, the essence of sport to develop a strong foundation of togetherness. It is through all aspects of play that uniquely accelerate us into a high-performance team on mission. We like to have fun in AIA. We're a pretty competitive group. Um, anytime there's a staff conference, there's, anytime there's downtime, there's a football game started, basketball, volleyball, spike ball, whatever. Lots of trash talking, if I'm completely honest. Card games get animated, board games get heated. Um, everything gets turned into a competition. That's just the nature of who we are. Um, most of us are former athletes. So the, the, uh, the, inner, the inner competitor comes out a lot. But we also have storytelling sessions. We've got people that have been with AIA for 40, 45 years that have very cool stories of our history. There's lots of laughing. We have great times of worship. 
A family that plays together stays together. The very cool thing about playing and being active together is that you tend to learn more about each other. The soft-spoken wallflower becomes a menace on the football field. The former power forward is a gentle giant that's constantly trying not to injure anybody. These are real examples, actually. The tiny admin lady, who is always behind a computer, all of a sudden is taking charge and directing her team. As you work together, you realize strengths and weaknesses so that when you're back in the grind, you know who to count on to complement your own abilities. So last, uh, last November, we had our first ever regional directors summit in Winnipeg. Um, we were all super excited to get together because we'd never all been in the same room for two, two and a half years. It was all Zoom or Google Meets or whatever, which is fine. It served a purpose, but it's not the same as being, being together. We were, we were really looking forward to being together uh, for those couple days. Um, we had our meetings, but we also shared meals and did a lot of fun things together. And by the end of our time together, finally being in the same room, we realized how much we actually appreciated and needed each other to be successful. I learned who the action person was on our team if I needed help with something. If something was down to the wire last minute and I needed something done, I know I can call Caleb. Caleb's the man. He'll throw something together that I don't have the capacity to do and he'll help me do it. I learned who to go to for IT and social media advice. That's Steve in Winnipeg. He's, he's a whiz. Uh, he talks way too fast for me to get most of it, but he helps me out a lot. I found out who the prayer warrior was on our team. Um, I got to know Camille from Saskatchewan a lot better who played university soccer and I lean on heavily because I am not a soccer guy. But we only learn these things by being together in each other's presence and doing life as a team in work and play. The Father wants us to have fun and celebrate together. How many times, particularly in the Old Testament, does it talk about having feasts and celebration to acknowledge what God has done? A lot of them were seven-day celebrations. And not just for those on the in crowd. Deuteronomy 16, 14 says, uh, Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons, your daughters, your male, female servants, the Levites, all the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your town. Invite everybody. Let them see your celebration. Let them see your joy. Let them see how you have fun together. I tried to find some biblical references of people having fun or playing. Um, There's not a lot in there, but I can't imagine uh, David growing up not having a slingshot competition with somebody or throwing spears or archery. I can't imagine when the early church got together for the teaching and the breaking of bread and it said... uh, the apostles' teaching, and to, sorry, and to fellowship. Fellowship is in there for a very specific reason. They just wanted to hang out, to be with like-minded people. Can't imagine that they didn't play some kind of game, to have fun. The one verse that I found that 
specifically says play or playing um, was Zechariah 8 verse 5 where the revelation about the future Zion is being talked about. And it says there, the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. That struck a chord with me. In heaven, the streets are going to be full of boys and girls playing. Right? There's nuances in scripture and nature that God might have a sense of humor. Jesus used a lot of wordplay to get people thinking. He said that we are to come to him as little children. And we all know little children are typically full of energy and some pretty abstract questions. Kids are fun to talk to, especially about spiritual things. God created weird-looking animals. I can see, I just picture him giggling as he made the platypus and sent it down and said, Adam, have fun naming this thing. Right? So God is very creative, and I think he has a sense of humor. I think the Father wants us to enjoy life in the company of others for this life and the next. So as a church, how do you have fun together so that you can get to know each other? We have a lot of formalities in church, but sometimes it's good and healthy to just get together and have fun and enjoy the company that God has created for us to be around. So the, the last slide I have here is a little bit of an evaluation. So I'm going to leave you with these questions, and I want you to think about them, um, just as a little bit of where, where are we at as a church? Where am I at individually? All right, so... As a church and individually, do we know your calling and are we relentless in the pursuit of it? So, for Claremont Community Church, what are you called to? I looked up your mission statement and the main word was to serve. So, are you guys going to serve each other and your community relentlessly? How do you do that? In your own life, do you know what God is calling you into? And are you pursuing that relentlessly? Are you going for it? Have we created an authentic community or am I an authentic person where individuals can support others and also receive support in kind? Do we celebrate the things God is doing and play together? And does the community see joy in our congregation and in our life? So some reflection questions. We're called to be passionate people. We're called to be people of authenticity. And we're called to be people that are celebratory, that have fun, that enjoy each other's presence. And then that draws people in, right? I just want to leave that with you guys. Hopefully that encourages you. It encouraged me. It always does. But let's just pray and then... We'll go on with our next part. Father God, thank you so much that you call us, first of all, to yourself. You want to have relationship with us. You want to restore us, um, whether that's in the act of redemption or whether that's in the process of sanctification. 
you are calling out to us and revealing more of yourself to us all the time. It's so awesome that we're not alone. Thank you that we can pursue what you've called us to. Thank you that we can have community that helps us get there. And thank you that we can enjoy doing it together. Thank you that we can be part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Amen.